You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. International success coach and noted author, Constance Arnold, delivers life-changing strategies through her own spiritual practices, as well as with best-selling authors and experts that she interviews. Think, Believe, and Manifest is specially designed to empower your mind and words to work for you and to bring about a life you've been dreaming of. And now, here's Constance Arnold. the Law of Attraction Radio Network, and of course, I am Constance Arnold, host of the Think, Believe, and Manifest talk show, and today I am broadcasting from, what can I say, simply magnificent uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I am so grateful that you've made a decision to tune in today, and I can truly say that I believe that the Spirit of God has attracted you here and that your life will never be the same again. Well, uh, how are you doing today? It is a beautiful, simply beautiful spring day here in Atlanta. And uh, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to share with you today. Well, I am flying out of the ATL early a.m. tomorrow morning on my way to the cruise, and I am so excited about it. Uh, Just so grateful to have the opportunity to meet people from all over the world and to also uh, share my presentation. So just a quick reminder, got a great guest today, uh, Christina Reeves, and she is the co-author of The Mind is the Map. Whoa, I cannot wait to hear what Christina has to say. I love anything around the mind. And a quick reminder, make sure that you uh, check me out on social media, Instagram, uh, CLArnold11. Check me out. You'll see some funny videos and some pictures of me and some great info also. And also Facebook, uh, Coach with Constance and Twitter is L-O-A Constance. And of course, my website is fulfillingyourpurpose.com. And when you're on there, I have designed all kinds of tools to align you uh, with manifesting uh, what you desire. You know, one thing I'm going to say on the cruise is I'm going to give you a little insight. You're not really trying to create anything. You are just aligning everything you do, meditation, prayer, affirmations. You're just aligning with what already is it's already done it's already finished in another realm so you're just getting into the flow of that so all of the tools that i have for you you can purchase affirmations Uh, if you're not ready for coaching get my book secrets of success if you're looking for love uh, 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 get my attracting genuine love along with the attracting love affirmations and so You've got to begin to incorporate how can you begin to, on a daily basis, align yourself with what God has for you. And, you know, I think that is it. Can you believe it? So we're going to go to these uh, quick commercials and then I'm going to be right back with Christina Reeves. I can't wait to hear what she has to say. So everybody stay tuned. 
For the past 30 years, Constance Arnold has coached clients globally in the areas of relationships, wealth, and career. Her vast clinical background gives her extraordinary understanding of human behavior to accelerate manifestation. Every coaching client receives proven action plans to create change from the inside out. Constance will be right by your side. Talk to her today at Constance at fulfillingyourpurpose.com. Well, everybody, I'm back and really excited about my guest today. And I know what you're saying, Constance, you're always excited. And today is no exception. Uh, My very special guest is Christina Reeves. And Christina is a holistic life coach, energy psychologist, accomplished author, speaker, and facilitator. And she offers clinics, trainings, workshops, seminars, and lectures in North America and internationally. And she co-authored the book, The Mind is the Map. Awareness is the compass and emotional intelligence is the key to living mindfully from the heart. And we're so blessed to have her on uh, the Law of Attraction Radio Network. So Christina Reeves, welcome to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Thank you so much, Constance, and thank you for the opportunity. I'm happy to be here. So what's the weather like in Canada? (laughs) We're starting to enter spring. There's just a small amount of snow left in little patches, but it's warming up. I think the winter is over for us here. Thank you. (laughs) Well, you know, I I have so many questions uh, about your book, but tell listeners, uh, I share some things about you, but tell listeners all over the world just a little bit more about who you are. I um, started like everyone else on my, I've been on my path for about 20 years, 25 years actually, and uh, hit a wall, you know, and most of us will hit a wall at some point in our life where everything turned upside down and chaotic. And uh, so I started to, you might say I was a, almost shy to say this, Constance, but a spiritual vagabond. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was out there learning and attending workshops and studying. I studied with SRF, uh, the works of Paramahansa Yogananda, for more than 20 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, But what happened was I wasn't really integrating it. You know, I wasn't, there are two types, two parts to knowledge as far as I'm concerned. And one part is the intellectual stuff, the stuff we get from books, including mine, (laughs) and um, workshops, seminars, lectures, and so on and so forth. The second part of knowledge and the most important part of knowledge is the experiential stuff. We need to make this personal. We need to take it inside. We need to integrated. That's where our wisdom really comes from. So true. Well, you know, anytime I see the word mind, I'm like, whoa, I I love the mind. So the mind is the map. So why did you decide to co-author this book? I started studying the mind as a young girl at uh, probably about 16 years old uh, because of some dysfunction in my family unit. And I wanted to understand why people do what they do. You know, I uh, went to a family member's doctor at 16 years old and said, why did that happen? And why why did that happen to me? And why did that person do that? So um, I started very early on um, researching what goes on in the mind, what makes people do what they do. 
And so it's been many, many years of research. And uh, it wasn't until um, my mother got older that I told her that I wanted to write a book. And uh, I wanted to get her blessing to write this book. And uh, she agreed with me. She read the book and uh, agreed with me and said, Christina, this book is going to help many people. You have my blessing. Go ahead. Right. And it doesn't matter what happened in our past. I'm very happy that um, we all came through it fine. So, And that was really, you know, uh, a long time ago. But I was shy. You know, I had this conditioning constant of being invisible, of wanting to be invisible. You know, when you grow up in a rough childhood, you really want to stay out of everybody's way. Yeah. And it wasn't until um, I met my, I'm going to say, muse, Dimitri, and uh, he, yeah, through our writings and back and forth for more than five years, um, he said, you know, we really have a message to share here, Christina. All of our friends were reading our comments back and forth. And they said, you guys need to write a book. You need to write a book. So Dimitri lives in New York City with his family and wife and children. And I live in Canada. And we decided we'd go ahead and write a book. And uh, that's how this page is flying back and forth across the, the wires, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, finally, we completed it and released it in August of last year. I'm sorry, October of last year. Well, I have so many questions for you, so 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 let's go ahead and get started. Uh, let's see, where do I start? So, basically, we're talking about the conversations that we all have in our minds and that inner voice that we hear that fills us with doubt and discouragement. So, so in in a nutshell. What do you mean by uh, your mind is the map? The mind is the map. What does that mean? It simply means that we as humans operate very similar to a computer. My background was computer science. And we operate much the same way. When we're born into this world, we seem to have an operating system. Uh, you know, we have mobility. We have eyes, ears. You know, we're functional in this way. But we really don't have a database. You know, there's nothing uh, that we have in our database. We get our database, we build our database through our experiences. And that generally happens between the ages of zero and seven years old. And it's our caretakers and other people who really uh, write our beliefs on our wall, things that we see, things that we hear. And they become our beliefs. If they're not valid for us as we get older, we're still stuck with them. Our subconscious mind operates our life 95% of the time. Our conscious mind, which is our cognitive mind, only has control about 5%. Anything that we focus on in the current moment, we can operate from the conscious mind. Everything else and every single experience we have, we, the writing on the wall, we check the, our, our mind checks the writing on the wall to see a past template to get some kind of reference for what's going on. And if we don't uh, take control of that, we're going to continue to repeat the same patterns over and over again based on the same beliefs. We have got about six seconds only to step into a 
place that we call awareness. Otherwise, we get triggered and the mind gets hijacked. And it goes about operating, you know, in the same modality that we've always operated on. We don't even know what's written there until we get triggered. And it's our triggers that uh, indicate, oh, oh, something's wrong here. Constance, when we get triggered, one thing we have to realize is that it's never about the other. Never, ever about the other. We are the only one in our head, in our mind. There's only us. There's no reference there of there's no reference there of someone who is going to, you know, guide us or help mm-hmm. us. The subconscious mind just simply does what it does. And every single experience we have in life, we check the writing on the wall. We look for the template. We look for okay, what do we do now? And to stop repeating those same patterns, especially the ones that don't serve us well, we need to do a reality check of what's written on the wall. And our inner voice helps us do that. We think the inner voice is, you know, often it's negative. And uh, we get upset and when you can't do this, you can't do that, you're not good enough for that, you're not smart enough for that, you're a woman, you know, you're not a man, that's a man's job, that kind of thing. And we need to stop it right there. We need to just pause and pull back and reality check that belief. Where did that come from? Is it something that I believe today? Is it something that's going to be useful for me? Or is it something that's really harmful for me? Well, that's profound. (laughs) You know, what you you just shared. So our subconscious, you said it's 95%. And I know... One thing you say that we can't think our way out of behavior that's housed deeply in the subconscious. So our subconscious is controlling us every day. Every day. We cannot correct our our issues, our, you know, programming with the same mind that created it. It's impossible. Now, here's the crunch, okay? The subconscious mind processes more than 40 million nerve impulses per second. Wow. Look at, look at that bandwidth. Look at the speed of that. The conscious mind, on the other hand, only processes 40. And that's why we get hijacked. It's the bandwidth and the speed of which the subconscious mind operates that hijacks the mind. And that's why we really only have six seconds to, uh, to step into awareness. We create our own reality by the way we interpret and react to the events, you know, in the ways that we've just talked about. It's our belief system that creates our reality. And many of our problems are simply the result of our mistaken identity, things that are written on the wall, you know, that we have no idea what's there. So we use the inner voice eventually uh, to tell us what's written on the wall. We use our triggers, go, "Uh uh-oh, and we don't look out there. We don't say, oh, God, he made me angry or she did this or something like that. The thing we have to do is say, what is it within me that got triggered right now? What is it that I need to learn about myself? Yeah, you know, and I, I, I read in your book where you talked about, I think, the process of, 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 of our mind. And, and you talked about understanding patterns and our life force energy. Expound on that process for listeners. What would that look like? 
you know, what we've been taught, you know, that instinctively with the writing on our wall that we need to fight for what we need, you know, and sometimes we even do that at the expense of others. So such beliefs have been instilled in us as a way of being smart or being successful. And many of us who have followed this philosophy find ourselves sort of isolated and secluded and lonely. You know, everything that society has programmed into our mind to believe was important. We believe that. Our ego believes that. You know, so we set ourselves up for failure because of this habitual negative thinking and the basic beliefs you know, concerning our inadequacies that come out uh, with our with our inner voice. So the process um, the process is to understand what's happening. So the reality is really constructed of two basic factors: what is happening and has happened, hmm. and then what we believe. And consequently, how we feel about ourselves in a relationship to what's happened or is happening or will happening. So it's our belief system or our programming which creates, I'm going to say, a subjective perception of reality because it's not necessarily true. They're just words that are written on our wall that we live by. Wow, that's profound. So, so what role does emotional, what is emotional intelligence and what role does that play uh, in the whole mind is the map process? Emotional intelligence is the, the, is the key to being able to accept our emotions as they come up, mm-hmm. to have empathy for the others in the experience, feel their emotions and understand, put ourselves in their shoes, understand what they might be feeling, and step back, you know, from this. Be part of the emotional intelligence are the three parts of awareness. You know, awareness definitely has three parts. We have, when I'm asking someone to step into awareness, even if I'm coaching them one-on-one, I'll ask them to physically take one step backwards. Just take a step backwards and visualize the experience. I know you're an excellent visualizer. (laughs) Visualize the experience as if it's playing out on a movie screen in front of you. Become the watcher. You know, become the observer of what's happening. Step out of the soup. Step back. Three things you're going to watch for. You're going to see you in the experience. You're going to watch the experience itself and what's that about. But you're also going to watch the processing of the experience. It's really quite an eye-opener if you can do that. You've got six seconds to step into awareness, as I said. Wow. Because the conscious mind will be hijacked so, or will hijack you. So you've got six seconds to step that there, back there. What you're going to see, Constance, is something like this. Just let me talk it out here. Okay. You're going to see, oh, my God, look at me. Oh, I've triggered that person. Oh, and I love that person. Why did I say that? And look at how that person reacted to me. Oh, my God. And you know what? This isn't even my experience. I don't even know why I'm in this experience. It doesn't belong to me. You're going to see two people that have been triggered. There's nothing wrong with these people. They're not bad people. You know, they're only people do what they do based on the writing on the wall. Our emotions kick in, you know, our behavior kicks in, 
All of this is pre-programmed. But if we can step back there, it's laughable. Oftentimes I will laugh. I'll say, oh, my God, I can't believe I said that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's changing our perspective. That's seeing things from a much bigger picture. And it's also seeing ourselves. And this is really all about having the courage and the vulnerability to see ourselves in every single experience. That's emotional intelligence. Yeah. So you've mentioned triggers. So so explain what they are and, and what role do they play in our journey? So so okay. so when something triggers us, that's like, okay, Constance, look at this. This always happens when you do one, two, three, four. So explain what triggers are to listeners and how would that what would they do with those? Okay. Here's me, okay. Okay. I've already told you that, you know, I had this thing about being invisible. And uh, one of the parts of me, you know, that wanted to be invisible was the part that wanted to get out of harm's way. It was survival. Another part of me was I was a pretty girl growing up, you know, and the experience that I had made me want to feel unpretty. It made me want to hide myself. You know, I didn't want the attention of, you know, other people and so on and so forth. So, but if someone, so there's duality in everything, Constance. So let's say I'm in an experience and this time I really have something that I want to say, you know, and I really want to be heard, but I'm not being heard. This is my trigger. And it goes back to me being invisible. Well, you never wanted to be heard. So this is the pattern we've always followed. And now you want to be heard. So what are we going to do about this? Do you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Yeah, it would trigger me. And I would become uh, upset, you know, not necessarily angry, but upset that I wasn't being heard. But I set myself up for that a very, very long time ago. I lost my voice. I stopped telling people you know, what was wrong, because nobody was listening to me. I wasn't, there wasn't anywhere I could go for help in my family. Do you know what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. So with the law of attraction, let me just put this in here. You know, so many people are trying to attract love and abundance and and, and all other kinds of things. But it sounds like you're saying if they've been programmed subconsciously like uh, 95% of the time you're not worthy of love that, that that subconscious hijacks that intention that they have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, energy is absolutely everything, you know, as far as the, uh, the law of attraction is concerned. Um, you know, every experience we have can be a success, you know. Our failures are simply our attachment to specific outcomes. We're always going to attract exactly what we're vibrating at, always. If we're vibrating love, we'll attract love. If we're needy for love or if we have an attachment to someone that we love, um, we have expectations. It doesn't work like that. We're not operating within the laws of the universe. We, we're not in sync with the operation of the laws of the universe. It means that we have something to learn in this experience. And that doesn't mean you go around beating yourself up. You know, it doesn't mean that we try the same way again. But what we need to do is ask ourselves, what is it that we need to learn? Discover the lesson 
from the experience. And that's really where the success is. We really set ourselves up for disappointment because we set standards sometimes that are much too high for where we are in the moment. You know, we set standards that we can't possibly achieve. So guess what? You know, we're going to, we're going to fail, you know, like a small child learning something new. We need to always encourage ourselves. So we need to turn that critical voice around into a positive voice. You know, after we work with the critical voice for some time, there's another voice inside us, Constance. That's our higher self. And this voice will never say anything negative. This voice is always loving. And eventually with practice and persistence and patience, this is the voice we tend to hear more often. You know, our feeling good about ourselves and the freedom to feel and do what we want to do. These things go hand in hand. And our higher voice really supports us in this area. So powerful. So how would listeners... Number one, deal with that critical voice and which puts the writing on the wall of our very being. And then how would they replace that or begin to hear the voice of God or our higher self? Very good. We um, we want to use the critical voice. You know, the critical voice is really our friend, you know, and we want to treat the critical voice as our friend. We don't want to alienate or not hear the critical voice because it is the critical voice that tells us what's written on the wall. So in other words, we're going to use it until we lose it. Okay. Oh, I like that little rhyme. (laughs) Eventually, (laughs) it will quiet down, you know. Um, The, you know, this statement that I'm going to say now should be tattooed on the inside of our eyelids so that we see it over and over and over again. Its truth is undeniable and yet so subtle that we tend to ignore it. Again, I'm going to say we create our own reality mm. based on the writing on our walls. You know, But what if we were to stop and reality test it every time the inner voice came in? You know, There are some guidelines there. So the writing on our walls is our most prominent advisor. We consult it all day long. Everything in our life, every single experience is there. And we hold everything that's written there to be true. Mm. But it's not. You know, whose voice are we hearing in a day? Is it our moms, our dads, our partners? Does it belong to our boss? No, it's the voice. It's our voice. It's our own voice. Sometimes we we make ourselves too busy to hear it, you know, or we ignore it. But um, it is playing a very important role in our life. Do we, we need to ask ourselves, do we really believe that we're not good enough or whatever that voice is saying? You know, um, you might feel, if you don't hear the message, feel your body. You might feel the message somewhere in your body. Sometimes it'll show up as a feeling of anxiety or dread. It'll show up in your throat because, you know, you don't want to, voice yourself, you know, you're, you're uh, minimizing your expression of self. Sometimes it shows up in your gut and you just feel something wrong here. But, you know, we need to pay attention to that. At an energy level, your question, at an energy level, we know that 
every thought, including the thought that the voice is expressing, it creates an energy field. And we're beginning to understand that these brain cells act like communities. They link up and they work together in networks. You know, the more, for example, the more we think a particular thought, say we had an experience and it was a negative one and we're angry or upset and we can't let it go. The more we focus on this energy, that network builds itself and strengthens itself. It's like that old cartoon, that Joe Blissfix cartoon where we walk around with a cloud over our head. Mm-hmm. In an hour, the synaptic connections that are forming, if we stay focused on that experience, the links between the cells, when they're communicating, they will, they will go 10 times. Now wow. we're in a bubble, okay? And if we focus on it all day, we'll find ourselves in a bubble of that energy, trying to fight our way out of it. You know, it's so much more appropriate to notice the trigger, you know, and step into awareness and don't let that energy get a hold of you. What's happening with that energy? Let's go back to the subconscious. Constance, we have an experience. And it's maybe not a pleasant experience, okay? So that experience stays written on the wall for life. So look at the computer again. We pull it from the ROM into the RAM every time we get triggered. But that's not all we're pulling forward. What's bundled with that, the more we know about quantum mechanics and quantum physics, what's bundled with that now is all the emotions you had as that four-year-old. So it's bundled with it. So it's being pulled forward, too. And any childhood conclusions you came to, and the childhood conclusions of a four-year-old might be very different from what we see now as an adult, but that's not what's on the wall. It was written on the wall at four years old, so that whole experience comes forward, and that's what we're dealing with. So do we really want that four-year-old driving the bus, or do we want to figure out what the pattern is, what the belief is, and transform it? That's profound. And so for a listener who might, uh, the writing on the wall is you can't have that. You live in a third world country. How in the world are you going to ever get money? But then consciously, occasionally they're saying abundance is mine. Wealth is mine. So unless they stay in that vibration of what they want, the subconscious will hijack that. Absolutely. The good news is, Constance, that when we don't use a network in our brain, it withers away. Mm -hmm. So billions of neurons get busy tearing apart a network that seems to be no longer needed. So when we, that's called neuroplasticity. So when we rewire ourselves constantly on the basis of what we pay attention to. So when we stop paying attention to the negative critical voice, We're actually changing the connections in our brain. We're laying down a new neural pathway. Profound. Isn't that something? And another bit of good news, again, from the hard science front, on average, we have 10 times as many neural bundles going from our brain to our senses as we do from our senses to our brain. We imagine the world as we see it. We don't. We, we see it as we are. We tell our senses 
what information we want them to collect. And that goes with the law of attraction. When we stop hearing the voice saying, I'm not good enough, and we change the way our brain sends messages to our senses to go look for evidence to prove that. And when the critical voice reveals itself in our self-discovery work, it's looking for a connection with some of our core issues. So we need to ask ourselves, what does that feeling remind me of? When have I had that feeling before? And what was my experience? Just looking at it and identifying it, you're 60% healed right there. Because you're no longer paying attention to the ego. We're not accepting, you know, that particular thing that the voice uh, is saying. You know, what we are accepting is what we want to change. Therefore, the first step towards any change or transformation is to accept what's happening in the moment, exactly what's happening in the moment, with all of our weaknesses, fears, attachments, and desires. We need to feel that we are worthy and accepted exactly the way we are. Wow. You know, that's major. So so what else can listeners do? I know you have some powerful tools in your book that people can, (laughs) wow, that people can use regularly. You know, just listening to you before you answer that question, it just sheds so much hope. You know, when you said you stop focusing on the old and those old networks just sort of dissolve because your focus and your emotion is on the new. And that's a biological function of the brain and how it operates. It's so true. Okay, a couple of things we can do here. When we experience the inner critic through our process of self-observation, which we've just talked about, we can facilitate that in three ways, you know, and I do have work, uh, actual working sheets at the back of each chapter. I, lo- will- I love that about your book. Thank you. That'll guide you through this. The most important one for me when you step into awareness and in any experience you're in, in your discovery process, is remain curious. Look at it with a sense of curiosity, not a sense of judgment. Don't judge anything that comes up. Don't reject anything that comes up for you. Just witness and record your findings and feelings. Try to discover where these beliefs might have come from. And once again, do that without judgment. Remember that all those caregivers that wrote on your wall, they also had others back through time that wrote on theirs. People do basically what they do. I have heard my grandmother through my mother. I have heard my mother through myself. And I have heard my daughter through me. (laughs) You know, it's passed on, you know. Uh, And sometimes my daughter and I at the same time will say something to my grandchildren. That's exactly the same statement, word for word. And we'll both stop and look at each other and laugh. You know, we know where it came from. The other thing we can do is when I said write them down, okay, we need, to, we need to celebrate our milestones. And the only way we can do that is to keep a daily journal. I've been journaling for more than 20 years. You know, my daughter started journaling at 12. She's 44 now. Our observations will become much clearer and more fruitful when we write them down on paper. When we simply observe them mentally, there's, we're creating lots of room for contradiction, lots of room. Uh, for the details to sort of slip by us. You know, sometimes our problems 
<laughs> they actually read in a confusion of unclear emotions and thoughts. By writing down our thoughts, this helps us perceive our personalities much more clearly. You know, we keep a record of the major emotional experiences and thoughts we experience every day. In this way, we'll gradually uncover the basic emotional patterns that we've been repeatedly creating in our life. And then we can analyze these inner experiences. Sometimes just, you know, with an open-ended question, something like, okay, what would love do right now? Mm-hmm. And then once a month, I always took a special time for me to go back through what I had written in that month. You know, read through what I had observed and uh, try to make some decisions that would actually help me improve my reality. The other thing is always work with questions, okay? Um, Give me an example of a question. What are we pretending not to know? Hmm. You're in an experience, you know, and you're getting triggered, and often we shove these things in what I call the garbage bag we carry on our shoulder, Um, and one day it will break out all over your life. That's when we hit the wall. So we discover some real uh, attachments, aversions, fears, goals, values, talents. You know, what motivates our thoughts? By just asking ourselves questions. There are tons of questions in the back of the book. At the end of each chapter, we'll walk you through the questions and they get deeper and deeper that are going to take you into a more objective space in your self-analysis. That's one of my favorite questions. What am I pretending not to know? That's a profound question. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and so by doing these exercises, listeners will begin to re- rewrite or rewire what's on their wall. That's important. Exactly. You know, we, as I said, the critical voice has a number of upsides. Okay, the first one, it's really, it's actually on our side. It doesn't sound like it is, you know, but whatever it says to us and however unfriendly it sounds, it's almost certainly trying to help us in some way by telling us what's written on the wall and sometimes why we stay in our old patterns of behavior. For example, if it says we're not good enough, isn't it as well for us to know that? So we don't make ourselves, it's trying to say, don't make yourself so vulnerable. You know, it's trying to say, maybe you don't belong there. It might be trying to keep you safe by making sure you don't even try to be included in a group that it thinks that might reject you. You know, this is all the ego. You know, it might be trying to keep you safe by reminding you, don't try because, you know, it's not going to work for you. You know, we don't have to believe all these things. But don't we want to know that that's written on our wall? Of course we do. You know, Gandhi once said, what we believe creates our reality. Our beliefs come from our thoughts. Our thoughts come from our words. Our words become our actions. Our actions then become our habits. And our habits become our values, and our values lead to our destiny. We really do want to change that. And so, Christina, what is your thinking around, uh, you you talked about visualization and affirmations and meditation. How, How do those things, I know a lot of listeners are, they have this as daily spiritual practices. 
How does that impact or change the the writing on the wall or rewire? I got that out <laughs> our subconscious. <laughs> rewire, okay. <laughs> rewire, okay. For me, it's always been about focusing on my target. My intention is always on what I desire to achieve, but without an attachment of an expected outcome. Uh -huh. I concentrate on that while monitoring any objections that come up for me, you know, and I use the techniques in the book to clear those away. I actually visualize my target. I How put myself you? in the scene, you know, with everything that happens. Um, for example, we often do this, okay? How many of us, let's put this in perspective, how many of us have gone into a restaurant and it's a new one for us. And we, you know, there's a four or five page menu. Mm -hmm. And um, then the meal you actually picked out of a four or five page menu was not one that you were happy with. Right. We've all that. Well, if you went into this restaurant with the excitement and the wonder of uncertainty, if you had this attitude, okay, and instead of going into overwhelm with this huge array of choices on the menu, we simply set our focus and intention on having a great meal. Okay, mm -hmm. so now you've activated your focus and you fully trust in your natural ability. One of the menu items will energetically appear almost as if it's jumping off the page. You smile because you have a knowing, okay? And you close the menu and you go with that choice. But we don't do that. We get in our own way. We get in the way of our, we don't, play with our universal energetic force to assist us. We try to micromanage our life in every detail in our life because we feel the need to control, you know, control the outcome, control our life. Why do we do that? You know, on some level, right there, we're acting from fear. And fear is never, ever a place you'll be able to manifest from. Fear is only going to bring you more experience of fear and more to be fearful about. So, so, so what if, so go, go ahead. That's a great example. So what if you went into this restaurant, for example, and here's me ordering breakfast, for example, you know, and there's lots of extended menus on breakfast these days. You know, I'll go in and I'll say, uh, the waiter will say, you know, what do you want? Blah, blah, blah. I'll say, I want two eggs. I want them over light. I want bacon and I want it crisp. I want rye toast. I don't want butter on it. Bring my butter on the side. And I'll have a salad or fruit on the side instead of the home fries. You know, I know exactly what I want. I'm speaking up for exactly what I want because I've focused on it. I haven't just said, yeah, okay, give me a breakfast special. And then I might be disappointed because the egg is too hard. The bacon is not crispy enough. You know, there's too much butter on the toast for me. We set ourselves up for this. You know, and, and so how long um, and I don't know if you can answer, how, how long will people see personal changes when they start uh, detaching or getting rid of a weakening old neurological pathways and rewiring their lives? How long does that take when they start doing some of the routines or some of the exercises in your book? 
<laughs> Everybody wants to know that, Christina. That's a great question. <laughs> you know, my answer to that question is there's no getting there. You know, <laughs> this is an ongoing process and it's a set of tools and processes that we're going to use for our entire life. All of our experiences are in layers. You know, it's going to come off. And I know everybody's heard about the onion, unpeeling the onion. Mm -hmm. But it is, it does happen like this. It happens in layers. I might deal with my uh, example of being invisible. And at first, I might say, okay, I want to give myself a voice, you know, and then something's going to show up maybe five years later. And that experience comes back. And I think, well, why is that experience still there? There's another emotion attached to it, and it's an emotion of shame, you know. It's an emotion of blame, you know. It's an emotion of anger. They come off a little bit at a time, you know. The programming is there, but you will see them come off. You will start feeling lighter, and to be honest with you, as you do this practice, there is the possibility of living in awareness. 95% of the time, instead of the subconscious controlling your life. Wow. I'm one of those that can truly say that I live my life and operate from a place of awareness 95% of the time. Wow. And I know you have a chapter on living life lightly and with yes. passion. So is that what you're doing, living life lightly and with passion? Absolutely. You know, I have uh, learned to do this. I had, um, I was in a position in my life, and not everybody is in this position, where I could sort of fast track my, my own process, my integration process of all of these tools. Every one of these tools I used, you know, that's how I came up with the tools. I used them. I taught others to use them. I've been a teacher now for a long time. Living our life in this way, we're building and containing all the life force energy that we need to live a conscious, happy, and intentional life. A life where we understand that it's sustainable, you know, by our link to the source, our God, the source of all that exists. It's the link to spirit through our prayers, you know, through our vision, through our hopes. And at this level, we have an absolute knowing that everything we ever need is provided for us. And even those uncomfortable experiences, you know, they're not coming because, you know, God is upset with us. They're coming because there's another piece of the puzzle that we need to learn and understand, you know, the qualities of living the path of spirit and divine present are understanding, you know, this higher state of the spiritual consciousness that we can all achieve while still living in our body. You know, we're no longer hooked into the dramas. You know, we no longer create for ourselves frustration and anger. We accept everything in life as, as it is. It's a miracle. You know, and we have a direct experience of who we are, giving us that state of peace and acceptance and compassion. There's no craving, no anger, no desire, no fear in this state. And, and so for listeners, as they're going through this process, they can be 
they can be joyful, grateful. Because I see so many people, oh, God, another process. But really, you know, in your book, you talk about you're creating a new story with your new patterns and and with your new writing on the wall. So it can be exciting, right? (laughs) Very. You will find it the most exciting journey you've ever been on, you know. Absolutely. You know, we uh, learning to live from the heart, you know, is going to add new meaning to your life, a life that makes the heart sing with joy. The soul is being heard. It's being listened to. You know, our number one job in every lifetime, in this lifetime, as we create the new story, is to make sure that we're following the dreams of our heart. And we're invoking the power of love that moves us even beyond the power of reason into a world of wonder and imagination. I always say that consciousness creates because that's what consciousness does. But there's one thing that will take consciousness further, and that's our imagination. Wow. Best life. You know, imagination always has another card to play. And we need to stay in that wonder and accept the uncertainty with an absolute knowing nothing's going to happen. We're fine. You know, we're children of God. You know, we, we, the universe sends us things. We accept them as a gift or a loan from God. And that means embracing all kinds of events and keep revealing life's magic, knowing that each time you face any opposition, you're getting closer to your destiny. Well, if you become profound. if you become consistent to these processes, such as embracing the what I call the precious present moment and being aware of our habitual patterns and all beliefs, you know, you'll be living within the tapestry of life. Wow. I could sit and listen to you all day, uh, Christina, but this is an hour show. <laughs> so 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 I, I just wanna say something. You talked about imagination, and at the beginning of the show, you mentioned you have people step back for five minutes and then say, what would your life look like if it was on this this movie screen in five years? That's a profound exercise. And when you said that, in my own mind, I saw myself on that movie screen. And when you said imagination is one you know, that you can always get something else a little higher from imagination. That made me remember that powerful principle that you shared. Thank you. Thank you. Destiny is a process. Uh, It's not something we create. It's something we work on. We're all destined for the same place. (laughs) Yeah. We understand that, you know. You should really be proud of your work. Uh, This is such a powerful book with such life-changing, transforming principles. And tell our listeners how they can get the book. I know you teach uh, in the U.S. and internationally. What is your website? How can people contact you, etc.? Oh, wonderful. Our book is available. It's called The The Mind is a Map. It's available on Amazon. It's in uh, all the major bookstores. Uh, now we have it in an ebook form, an audio form, uh, hardback and softback covers. We also have are just now coming out with an actual workbook, mm-hmm. and it'll be announced in April. It'll also be on all of those sites. Uh, 
And this is a workbook that you can download and, uh, and as an ebook or have as your journal. So we've created a nice, easy journal for you when I say write every day kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that'll be available uh, by the time we send it to Amazon at the beginning of April. It usually takes them a month. It'll be available in May. So those are the forms of the book that we have. As for the education, we have, um, we do things in a different way, Constance. Um, I've been, you know, a psychotherapist and analyst for some time. And what, um, what I found was we need to talk to the people, you know. I don't want to talk at them. Right. I really help them. So Eudaimonia, which is our school site, Eudaimonia Learning Center, we have a special way of doing that. We have a lot of questionnaires, and we I have written, we have written, Dimitri and I, over over 400 courses. Oh, but my what, God. What we are going to do, and each course has about anywhere from five to seven lessons in the course, in each course. So what we are intending to do is something no one has done on the Internet. We've built a huge algorithm on the back end, uh, which we'll be announcing soon. And we want to speak to you. We want to help you with your problem. You know how we go to seminars and workshops and we might come out with one takeaway right. or two takeaways, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes none. <laughs> mm -hmm. We want to speak to you and help you with your immediate problem. We design our courses for your problem. So when you let us know what is coming up, you know, what you're dealing with, the algorithm will pick the different modules and put a course together for you that's uniquely for you and addresses your needs in the moment. Profound. So you actually put a course together for one person. One person, and it's mm -hmm. your course for the issue that you're having right now. Mm -hmm. Great, powerful idea. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So we're very excited to be uh, announcing this. So check us out on uh, themindersandmap.com, and also you can look at eudaimoniacenter.com. It's been such a powerful, joyful experience just for me personally, Christina, to interview you. Thank you so much, Constance. You know, I so appreciate, you know, you leading the questions the way that you did, expertly done. And uh, <laughs> stay in touch with me, you know, uh, get on my Facebook. Oh, we also have a forum on the Mind of the Map. Jump in there. Lots of interesting topics, lots of chances for you to voice your opinions on things. We'd love to hear from you. Wow, powerful. Well, everybody, make sure you go to those websites that Christina shared. I've read the book. It's a powerful book. I'm going to strongly encourage you to reach out to Christina. Also, I love the individualized, customized modules that yes. they create for every person according to whatever your needs are. And also remember to visit my website at fulfillingyourpurpose.com. And as I say every week, you may not know it or feel it, but God loves you and the entire universe is supporting you and loving you and guiding you. And I just want you to think and say this week that something good is going to happen through me and to me this week. Make it a great week. Thank you for listening to Think, Believe, and Manifest. 
Constance Arnold will be back next week with another great show just for you. For more information, please visit fulfillingyourpurpose.com.